Welcome to Awards Radar, the podcast, a weekly discussion of the awards races, Hollywood news, and the films you should have on your radar. Here's your host, Joey Magidson. Hey everyone, welcome to a special edition of the Awards Radar podcast. I'm Joey, and uh, you're going to be hearing a lot of special guests today because what we're doing is we're looking back on over a year's worth of interviews. We have uh, obviously Thanksgiving coming up. And uh, that's proving a little difficult to record, as well as uh, Miles getting married last week. Congrats again. But we're choosing to use the upcoming holiday to give thanks and uh, give thanks to the many, many people who have been kind enough to give us their time. Uh, Going all the way back to over a year ago, Bruce Dern doing an an epic conversation with me. Um, Even recently, we had uh, Olivia Munn go for over a half hour with me. Um, Mike Mitchell. Gave me like almost 90 minutes at one point, it felt like. So um, we've had very generous people. And that's not to say the, you know, 10-minute interviews aren't great, too. They obviously are. And we're going to show you, uh, actually, you'll be able to hear a selection of them today as a way of just reminding you that uh, we've got some good stuff here. So sit back and relax and uh, enjoy this. And then next week, we'll be back with a regular episode uh, with uh, my takes on some huge films, uh, including but not limited to Don't Look Up, The Power, um, Tick Tick Boom, Licorice Pizza, and uh, potentially more. So, in the meantime, enjoy these clips and thank you to Steve for arranging them. And uh, yeah, enjoy. Without further ado, I want to uh, present to you my uh, brief but very enjoyable conversation with Martin Sheen. You said you want something personal in what you do, and it's got to feel fulfilling when you, first of all, you read the character and go, okay, I can do this. I know this part of this guy. And that's got to be a far cry from, you know, when you're an actor, people always will suit, will look at you as a role. And listen, that that's part of the job and it's not the worst thing in the world, but you've had people ask you to run for office because they saw you play a politician. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. As opposed to, okay, I see this character in myself. I can bring that to the role. That's yeah. going to be way more heartening. And, and, you know, besides obviously money's not bad, you know, when you leave the project, go, I, I feel like I did something here. Yeah. It's the most gratifying thing when you are able to tap a, uh, a personal resource and 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 share it. Uh, there's nothing more satisfying as a as an actor as an artist that that it is personal and that you a measure of yourself is placed there and uh, and and you 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 walk away and you don't look over your shoulder. You're just very very happy that you had the opportunity. Yeah, for sure. Um, as we wrap up, one this is amazing and I'm honored. Um, you've is there something you haven't done? Like if the phone rang and someone said, what do you want to do? You know, we'll, we'll tailor something to you. Is there something still like banging around in the back of your mind that would be, I've always wanted to do this? Um, well, I'm confined by age and... Uh... <laughs> I mean, if you want to play Superman, I'm willing to try it. <laughs> uh, no, there isn't anything specific. But there, as I age... Uh, I feel that I have uh, I, I I have the ability to get in touch with things that people uh, would would respond to 
that uh, that I see in life. You know, uh, we've just come through this horrible pandemic and all of the heroic uh, actions we saw by so many of the first responders and the frontline people. I mean, it's just been so inspiring and so um grace filled you know and and that i'm just so happy to to still be alive now in 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 in, in these times with what's going on where i live and that i still feel uh, a very very deeply personal desire to contribute and That's, so whenever I get that opportunity, whether it's w- with a, a film or TV show or something in the community, it is the most f- fulfilling thing. I think we struggle so often in our lives to find a way to unite the will of the spirit with the work of the flesh. That's what being an artist is. That's what's being, what being a, 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 a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, uh, a, a school bus driver, a, a, a fireman, a cop, all these people that serve us. They have found this way to unite the will of the spirit to the work of the flesh. And they have found themselves and they have created community. And we can't wish for anything better than that. You know. Here's my chat with Nat Wolf. Enjoy. Joey, uh, before we start, I just wanted to say uh, I, I don't usually read reviews because I'm too sensitive because it, like if it's anything is bad, I'll hold on to it. But the director of Kill Team sent me the review that you sent that you wrote of that movie. And it was the most it was like exactly what we were aiming for and the most on it. And it was such a beautifully written, thoughtful review. And I, I'm so thankful to you for it. Awesome. No, my pleasure, man. I, I'm a fan of yours. We we spoke for, I think, Ashby years ago. Yeah, a long and time ago. I <clears throat> I just remember you like being confused and then a little happy that I was like, I saw your scene in Funny People. You're like, that exists? People have seen that? No, and this is 40. This oh, is sorry, you're right. This is 40. You're right, you're right. I was like, how the fuck did you see that? <laughs> Someone my did. best work. My yeah. best work and this is 40. I was working, I was doing... I was doing admission with Paul Rudd and he went to go see a screening of this is 40. And he had done the scene with me in, in this is 40. Like he had been there. And I was like, how was the movie? He was like, it's really good. He's like, you may not like it. Cut. <laughs> I was like, fuck. But it's funny. That scene has the, it's like four or five or six different people who are doing it. And they're also right. kind of bad. Right. And you guys didn't make it because it's like they're not like bad. They're it's just out of place. Like they're they're too good for this. We got it. We got to move. Dude, it. I, I remember the song Ma, Maud Apatow, his daughter wrote the song and it was like it was like supposed to be like a really bad version of like a Justin Bieber song or something. Yeah. Basically, I love the way you like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, congratulations on this. I, you know, and now I, I've been reading all your reviews for everything because I think you're really smart and you write good. You know, I was about to say, I was, now I'm racking my brain. I'm like, I don't think I've hated anything you've been in. I like the movie your mom made. Like, we're pretty good. We're, good. we're doing yeah. well. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's interesting because you, you pick things that, are, that, that sort of very much serve you well. It's a weird compliment, but it's true. Like, you never, you never go, oh, someone told him to make that movie and he shouldn't have been in that movie. Right, right. Or I know the director and, and he just wanted me to be in it. It's never, it's never like that. So I'm just curious, like, what... What do you? What makes you go? Okay, I think I can do this because they are different types of movies, but they all sort of feel like okay, this character he could do. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of times it is the the character is like the you know the first thing that that draws me in because uh, you know I'm so I'm super interested in playing uh, different kinds of people mm-hmm. and exploring different sides of myself. Um, and like in the case of mainstream, it was that on top of it was Gia who I'd done probably my favorite movie I've ever been in Palo Alto with. And, uh, and I think she's a genius. And, uh, and, and then with Jake, it was like, I got to play the moral compass of the movie, you know, who, who saw the big picture and, and, uh, and sounded the alarm. So by the end of that movie, I was like, I wanted to keep Jake, but um, you know, it's hard. and, And people think that you have a lot more control over your career than you do, you know, and you're kind of at the whim of, of uh you know uh, the casting director or director producer's uh, imagination but um but i like to do things that i've never done before so i like to feel scared and i think that's when i do my best work um and uh yeah i know and then and then sometimes the when the movie turns out well it feels kind of like a miracle and sometimes it doesn't turn out well and and it's a bummer but um but i do you know there there's like maybe one movie or maybe two that I'm, that I, that I feel like I did like six or seven years ago that I feel like were for the, maybe slightly for the wrong reasons. And, uh, and they didn't turn out well and I didn't feel good about doing them and I didn't feel that creative. So I've kind of decided to never do that again. I mean, um, it makes sense. Though. You know, you want to, like anything else you want to play to your strengths. Like if you don't, uh, you know, it's, the, it's a job, but you want to be happy. But you also want to make something that makes people, you know, like you. It's there's more to it than like, you know, okay, that bought a house, great, fantastic. Or you know, I totally, want to you know. And I think if you, it's like I learned that really early. My dad's a jazz pianist. My mom's, you know, primarily just like a theater and film actress. And uh, they're both saying like the career oscillates and it goes up and down, and there are peaks and valleys. And 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 really being in a great movie is just like getting on the right train, you know what I mean? And, and doing, and doing a, and doing a good job. But, but the most important thing is to be, uh, is to care about the art. And, and so for me, it's like when I'm not working, I'm always, uh, you know, I'd spent six months studying Hamlet during the pandemic and, and being in a checkoff class and doing things that, you know, so I'm constantly trying to grow as an artist and then hopefully it's reflected in the, in the films I do, you know? How many people can say they get to hear, you know, stories from Bruce Dern? Well, today you get to as well. So enjoy, everyone. On that movie, I had a moment where I was walking down a hallway and two cheerleaders. I'm a basketball coach and our team is in the final four. Did you ever see the movie? Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. It's great. Okay. okay. So we're in the final four and we're there and I'm going down the hallway in the hotel we're staying in and two real kind of neat girls go by us and I'm like, I don't know, 40, whatever I was. And uh, these girls are cheerleaders, you know, 16 years old. One of them was Cindy Williams. (laughs) And uh, so they go by the hall, uh, by me in the hall, and I just snap my fingers down on my side for my assistant coaches with me and, and go on. I don't say anything. Jack stopped the shot. He said... That's a print. And he said, that's what Dernsey's been doing a long time. That is a Dernsey. Those are things that he adds 
that we can't put in the scripts when we write because no one can do that. He does that on the spot. And that's where I got the name, the Dernseys. Yeah. And throughout my career, I don't look for them. I don't look for them when I first read the script or anything like that. But as I progress through a movie, um, I, I come up with them. For example, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, Brad and, well, Leo had watched me, I don't know, 50 times that Baz Luhrmann made him watch our Gatsby again and again before they did their Gatsby. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and, uh, but uh, Brad wasn't there. No, DiCaprio now, did that one. I, I only worked with Brad. Yeah. So, uh, Quentin has said to Brad, he said, now understand something, when Bruce comes in today, you know, he's going to do stuff you haven't seen before. He says, no, well, you know, we'll rehearse all that stuff. And he says he doesn't rehearse. Hmm. He, he rehearses for the camera and does everything he has to do. But he does not play the role until the switch is on. And that, Because yeah. he doesn't want you to anticipate what he's going to do. And that's that's incredible. So so Brad says, oh, <laughs> and Quentin, and he says, what's a cue that I could have that uh, to go into this? Just, I mean, to get ready for this. And um, you want to be careful how you use this because I don't want to put Brad down on it. No, he doesn't sound bad. But, but he said to Brad, stop acting. Yeah. Just be go with what he does oh yeah and that's and so I went in and I uh, I'd not talked to Quentin about anything but he said you know you're free to do your thing here and so uh, the movie the scene begins and he tries to wake me up you yeah. know and three or four times and I don't wake up and finally he wakes me up and I turn over and I said oh, I, I, whatever it was but I, I What's going on? Yeah. And Brad stopped. And Quinn said, what are you doing? He said, that's not in the script. He said, but it's what's going on. (laughs) It's what's happening. You know, that's... Oh, he said, I get what you're doing. Oh, I get it. I get it. I get it. So then uh, we get into the scene and uh, that stuff's written about uh, the Dalton gang and all that yeah. shit about, I don't, I don't know who the fuck you are, I don't know who the fuck you are. And then I kind of pull myself up so I'm almost face to face with him on the bed and I'm maybe two feet from his face. And I said, you know, um, I don't know who the fuck you are, but... You did some, and this is the Dernsey, but you did something today that was really nice. You touched me. You came to see me. That's the Dernsey. Yeah. And Brad, when the scene was over, he was just blown away. He said, my God, that's what you do. He said, you just do what's going on in the scene. I said, well, why don't you? Yeah. <laughs> you, did, you did fine. You went with it and all. You know, 
And he said, oh, my God, but I understand now. I understand what you were doing in the hateful eight when you said that thing to Sam Jackson. Here's my conversation with Olivia Munn. Yeah, it's 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 rough. It's it's you know what it is like for me. That's when you know you just said something wrong. Like that's the worst. Like you just you, you wish you could take the word. Like you're seeing them go out of your mouth. And you want to reach and grab them. You're like, oh no, I've fucked up. And the next day to week of my life is going to be bad because I said something stupid for no reason. Yeah, and then for and if you're like and if you're you, like if you're like you and me, then it's not just about next week or whatever. You're like, I'm going to carry this for years. Oh, yeah. I'm going to think back on. And it's, 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 and like, no matter what punishment somebody else wants to give me for it, it pales in comparison to the years that I will punish myself for it. Um, yeah, I, I, so on this movie, a lot of, there'd be a couple times, <clears throat> you know, because it's an independent movie, I didn't, we don't have time. Yeah. To, time, to money, comfort, anything. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. Um, but there was a couple times where I just, I, you just, I feel mentally frozen and and then it kicks in like I don't have time to be mentally frozen which then would freeze me more yeah and it you know I thankfully you know because Justine is an actress herself I was able to pull her aside and say like I have hit um I I'm in, in not just a dead end because I can't even turn around and get back out like I'm in a I'm in a box because there's no door yeah. There's no, I can't get out. I, I don't, and I, I don't know what to do. And, um, I'm like, I'm just feeling so insecure. Um, I'm feeling so much self hate right now. I feel like I'm letting you down, letting myself down, letting the crew down. You know, I just, it, it was, it, I felt was paralyzed. And so, you know, because Justine is such an amazing actor herself and has definitely experienced, you know, similar things, being an actor and putting yourself out there in that way that creates a lot of, um, uh, insecurities. She she was like, okay, you may be in a box, but you, with no doors. But here, here's I'm gonna think, I'm gonna teach you how to shovel your way out. Yeah, and that was really helpful. Oh yeah, because I can imagine reading the script, obviously being like, this is really good, but also maybe going like, do I want to get into this headspace? Like, do I want to like allow that yeah. in? Because that's yeah, that you know, it's I'm sure it's like as an actress a creative challenge, but as a human being going. Well, I don't want to make myself unhappy for for money and like creative fulfillment. That seems like a weird ask. Like you know, there's there's so many other ways I can be unhappy in this life. Uh, well, you know, I'll tell you this: when I read this film, I well, when I read the script, I looked at it more like an opportunity to see what would what it would feel like mm. to to silence that voice once right. and for all. And it, it did mean having to go back into the rabbit hole. Um, but it's like, you've got, you know, like, can I, can I, can I invite all of that pain back in? You know, and, and this, you know, here's the thing is like, if you're anything like you and me, it's not really that deep. It's not really buried that deep down. Yeah. You know, so, <laughs> So it was like, okay, let me, let me get, let's do this. And, uh, I mean, but it was, I mean, there would be times on set where like I would, you know, where scenes in it weren't asking for me to cry, but it would just, everything was so raw 
um, that I would just start crying. And then they, you know, we finished the scene and then I'd go off to the side still crying. And then the AD would come up to me and say like, okay, you know, we don't have much time. I'm really sorry, but we're going to need you to stop crying and yeah. get back <laughs> into the scene. We're sorry this is traumatizing, but can you be cool in the next 90 seconds? And I'm like, yes, I can. I can. I, yeah. can, I can do that. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Just becomes another challenge of like, yeah, no, I can, I can like control myself. The thing I don't have to do in real life when this happens. All right. I can, I can uh, make that work because it is, it is interesting though, because you like rationally know that you can do it or like. I'm a successful person or I'm a good person, whatever the thing that you're bothered by, or especially in like your case, you can be like, I've done things. Not a lot of people do like who, how many people in the world have ever hosted an award show? It's silly, but it's a thing where there's a finite amount of people who've done it. So it's, I think it's like embracing the fact that this is not rational. I understand it's not rational. I'm going to go with the feeling. Enough of me blabbering about how much I, I love Zach Breff. There's more of that to come now. Enjoy the interview, everyone. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm good, Joey. How are you? I'm doing really well. This is uh, this is very exciting. I'm a big fan. Oh, thank you, man. I really appreciate that. That's a nice way to start the call. I know, right? As opposed to, hey, asshole, let's do this. <laughs> hey, uh, fucker, I gotta do this fucking assignment. I mean, you could have been like that, and I'd still be fine with it. That's fine. <laughs> no, no, I'm like you, Joey. I'm a kind person. I, uh, I, well, I know because I enjoy your movies. I love Wish I Was Here, first of all. Thank you. Oh, God. That really is. I was hanging out with an, uh, a young actor who's, uh, who's, uh, having quite a moment the other day. And, and, and he, uh, he said the same to me. He said, of all your films, that's my favorite. And it's like the child that didn't do as well as the others. And, and I, and so it has a very special place in my heart. And so whenever anyone, um, is particularly fond of wish I was here. It really means a lot to me. Oh yeah, no, I it's it's massively underrated. And I mean, listen, I think a lot of it had to do with the way it was made. Just pissed yeah, people yeah, off. Yeah. And it was controversial. I <laughs> wish I wish I and, and also I was I was also doing eight shows a week on Broadway when I was cutting it uh, as an actor. And I I, I I always ruminate that as good as I think the film is, and I'm proud of it, I can't help but feel like those guys who are now releasing like new cuts of films. I, I always, sometimes I lie awake at night going, you know what? I would have been 10 times better if I didn't cut that scene. You know, I like obsess about it. Oh yeah. No, I mean, I would see it. Trust me. Like there's, I like, listen, garden state is incredibly quotable. And like, that's a, you know, an everlasting thing. And I love that movie too, but there's something about Joey King telling, uh, her grandfather, like, you know, you need the light so you can find grandma. Like, it's just, there's honesty in it that I don't think people were appreciating at the time. Thank you. Thank you. I think I, yeah, I appreciate that a lot, man. I, yeah. So you would definitely appreciate the, um, the, the director's cut that's in my brain of that movie that one day I will make or not make, but it, it lives in my brain. One day we'll get together and I'll just describe it to you. Oh yeah. No, trust <laughs> me. I, cause the assembly of that movie was three hours long and, and I was so, you know, again, no two young directors don't fucking cut a movie while you're doing eight shows a week <laughs> on Broadway. But I, uh, I think I just um, there's a good movie. There's a, it's a good movie, and I appreciate that you like it. But I also, I as a filmmaker, I can't obsess going. You know what? There's a better movie in that three hour assembly, and I didn't crack it. There's there's something about I think if you really like a filmmaker, 
that some of that the movie that the, they feel that way about you always appreciate like i oh thank I, you man I, yeah thank you. every time i hear that it's funny it's 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 it, you know i hear so you know obviously the things i'm most known for are scrubs and garden state and and you know a handful of other things but when when someone really mentions wish i was here as special it really means a lot to me so thank you oh yeah yeah i mean <clears throat> it's i i got like deep into like what's he gonna make next like I'm sure you don't hear about Open Hearts and Andrew Henry's Meadow that often, but like I was like, these movies are coming one day, right? Uh, well, I don't know. Open Hearts was a was a film I, um, um, a Susanna Beers film that yeah, I that's a great film. I, I wanted to do an American uh, uh, English version of, um, and and at times it's had huge stars attached to it and was going to be made, and then you know every filmmaker you talk to will have like that project that's fallen apart ten times. Yeah. That for me was that one. At one point it was Sean Penn and Michelle Williams. At one point it was like amazing, and then it kept falling apart. Andrew Henry's Meadow is a huge like if if uh, <laughs> my brother and I used to describe it like uh, if Jean Pierre Genet directed The Goonies, um, <laughs> it was like. You know, a huge kids save the world um, movie that was set up and going at Fox and uh, years ago, and Barry Sonnenfeld was going to direct it, and then that came uh, fell apart, and we haven't been able to resuscitate it yet. But those, so yes, they are hopefully coming one day. But you know, it's very hard to get anything made, as I'm sure you know. Oh yeah. Um, I, I I'm, but but you'll be happy to know if you like my work that I'm finally going to make my my next film that I've written myself, um, uh, this, this fall. Excellent. Yeah, no, that was one of the things <clears throat> on the Scrubs podcast that like every so often there would be a little like hint of like, Ooh, I'm writing this movie. It's got a, a female in like, Ooh, and you can yeah. sort of piece together in your head what it might be. And it's, it's very exciting. I mean, listen, well, I'm going back to Jersey and, uh, it's, it's all, you know, it's like, I write what I know. So it's going back to my hometown and, um, uh, no correlation to Garden State or Wish I Was Here, but it, it, it's it's set um, it's set in my hometown, and um, it's it stars Morgan Freeman and Florence Pugh and Molly Shannon. So far, that's that's exciting. I mean, listen, I I don't watch <clears throat> sorry, I don't watch a lot of TV just because I see like three hundred fifty million movies a year, and sometimes yeah. you want to not look at a screen or like touch a human being. So it yeah. cuts into time, but like I, I watched Ted Lasso for you essentially, and I love it. Thank you. It's, Thank you. Yeah. Like, um, it's uh, it's one of those things, man. You know, I, as you know um, from listening to the Scrubs podcast, we we get told, I'm like, it's told all the time. You know, it's not just like, oh, that show made me laugh. You guys are funny. It's like so often we hear things that are so heartfelt, like that show got me through a depression or. Or that was me and my father's touchstone, and we bonded over it. these really, really emotional, heartfelt things. And and I, we're always so grateful, and, and 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 you know, our eyes well sometimes when we hear this stuff. And then to and then it just so happens, you know, of course they, they have Bill Lawrence in common, but Bill invited me to direct one of the early episodes of Lasso. And then and and then times a zillion uh, because of the pandemic, perhaps people really found it as this emotional touchstone during a really, really hard time. So to, to be, to be even a minuscule part of, of, of that, um, it, it, I just feel so lucky and, and honored. I am delighted to present my conversation with Aaron Sorkin to you all. Enjoy. When you, when you sort of pick up something, what, what makes it a project you want to devote so much time to? Obviously, you've talked about, you know, 
Spielberg wanting you to, to be a part of this, but why, you know? Right. I'm, uh, I'm just, look, in, in, in the instance of uh, 15 years ago, um, uh, Stephen saying to me, uh, uh, you know, I want to make a movie about uh, the Chicago 7, I want you to write it. Uh, at that moment, I had never heard of the Chicago 7, and I was simply saying yes to doing a movie with Steven yeah. Spielberg. Uh, but you asked me what I look for, and what I'm looking for is a good pitch to hit. Mm-hmm. All right, just just like a batter uh, in baseball has their pitch, low and outside, high and inside, a hanging curveball, a changeup, that kind of thing that they really like to hit. Um, I'm looking for something where I just have a chance, not a guarantee. I have a chance of writing something good. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so I, I, I look for that. Yeah. I mean, I'm a Met fan, so I'm used to them missing the pitch, but... Makes sense. Yep, I'm uh, a Mets fan too, and I'm used to them missing the pitch. I'm a Jets fan, same. and I'm, it's like waking up every Sunday morning and just hitting yourself in the head with a hammer. Yeah, you, um, you and I don't know how to enjoy sports. That's very clear now. That's right. <laughs> the thing we're supposed to enjoy just makes us hurt. Um, but just going to be so much sweeter when the Mets and the Jets do win. Yes, um, no okay. one will ever hear the end of it, and rightly so. We deserve it. Yeah, uh, yeah, but uh, I mean. And then just once you once you have a, you know, a film and you have a pitch you think you can hit, you know, the last two times out, you're also in the director's chair. So you're in control of how it's going to look you're, to some degree. You're in control of who's going to be in it. You know, if, obviously, right. there's more there to, than just what you want. But having having more control, did that does that impact what you sort of are thinking as you're working? Like, you know, you may not want to write a more complicated scene subconsciously if you're thinking about directing it. Maybe I don't want a 10-minute sequence or something like that. Or is it just, I'll get to that when I get to it? I can't answer that question yet because I have still not. Uh, with Molly's Game, with The Trial of the Chicago 7, and uh, coming up next is a film called Being the Ricardos. Yeah. I, with ni- I still haven't written a screenplay knowing that I was going to be directing the film. Interesting. Um, uh, I was asked to direct it in each case after I wrote the screenplay and for all the reasons you just mentioned i think it was a good thing that it happened that way i think that if like i was writing chicago 7 knowing i was going to direct it i would do everything i could to figure out a way to not show the riots yeah uh just because I, I just would have no idea how to stage them uh so what you're suggesting could happen i think would have happened mm-hmm. uh so i've been lucky Oh yeah, I I I talked to um, last year Timothy Busfield, and we talked a little bit about him directing things that you know you've been involved in, and then sort of the not realizing until you're actually doing like, oh, he wrote something borderline impossible. Great, I got to figure out how to do this. Um, <laughs> the- uh, listen, I, I love Bus, um, uh, and I would work with him anytime as a director or as an actor. Hmm. Uh, he's done a beautiful job. Uh, directing stuff that I've written and performing and stuff that I've written. And, and I think it speaks to the things that you write, you know, what, they are, you know, unique to what most people will deliver dialogue wise and how they're doing it. But to the fact that most people, you know, jump to work with you again, that anytime you talk to someone about working with you or, or getting to do a script of yours, whether it's stage, TV, film, you know, they, they're always very quick to, to praise it and to want to do it again. So it is sort of a unique muscle that I think a lot of actors are, are, are excited to get to do as opposed to, you know, hit my mark. Here's my, you know, 
three sentences, we're on to the next thing. Um, there really isn't a greater compliment than actors uh, uh, wanting to be in something that you've written, uh, designers wanting to work with you, uh, an editor, a DP wanting to work with you. Uh, uh, there's there's no greater compliment than that. When you're working with people who could really have a buffet of choices of things they can do. Oh, yeah. And, and here, I mean, this is... This is the ensemble of the year by far. And, you know, going through, you know, you, I'm sure when you when you sit down and think about who's going to potentially be in it or who, you know, you have a dream cast, you know, you know, the roles that you think might be, you know, sexier, for lack of a better word. But I mean, up and down the line, you get people to come in and knock it out. And I'm sure, you know, you write Ramsey and, and Michael Keaton may be like a dream scenario, but sure, I'll come in for two scenes. Great. You know, how do you yeah, how do you I, figure I, out who's I, right? I, 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 I couldn't believe it, and, and it was a snowballing process. And I'm sure, by the way, that uh, some of the actors who were cast earlier in the film were part of what attracted uh, actors who uh, who came in later mm -hmm. in the process. But for me, showing up to the set every morning, I felt like I was getting tossed the keys to a Formula One race car. And all I had to do was not put the car in the wall, and these guys were going to win the race. Um, a daunting sometimes uh, directing actors of that stature. <laughs> I yeah. remember a day um, what we were shooting the scene in the courtroom that contained every principal member uh, of the cast. And Steven Spielberg decided to come visit the set that day. Of course. Um, so there, <laughs> I'm directing several of the greatest actors in the world. Well, Spielberg, Spielberg is standing behind me. Um, and uh, I just thought... <laughs> What the hell with it? <laughs> just, yeah. <laughs> just do your best. Enjoy my conversation with Amanda Seyfried, and if you have not done so, be sure to check out Mank. And if you have, watch it again. It's funny; certain things like that have changed, and some certain things haven't. Mm -hmm. I still have reactions to things not as as heavy, but it's it's I don't know. It's it's interesting when you when you. I just pictured myself on the set of Mean Girls and pictured myself on the set of Mank. And I had an equal fear, equal level of fear of being fired hmm. on both of them. Isn't that funny? Yeah. I mean, it also, I think... It's 14 years apart. No, yeah. 16 years apart. I mean, if anything, it, it may also just be why they're such good performances. Like a little, <laughs> little healthy fear of like, if I'm not oh, yeah. doing 100 every every single take, you know, I don't have the, I don't have the ability to do that. I'm not, you know, insert bigger name actress on either on the set of Mean Girls insert well I'm in a David Fincher movie and David Fincher works with people who win Oscars like you know whatever whatever thoughts float through your head it's why every every take is well I'm going to bring it and and the work speaks for itself I mean even whether either even just going back to Mean Girls for for being like a one of the first performances of a career it's it's amazing it stands tall with so many and doesn't get the appreciation it deserves because that's that's a complicated role. It's not just a one-note comedy role. And I mean, like you said, Mank, am I being too modern? Like, there's a there's a foot in both worlds that I think you give her that's amazing. Because it is a period piece, but there's a modern sensibility to, like, how the camera does. You know, every camera movement and edit isn't, you know, 1930s specific. It's it's whatever David thought was the most cinematic. And that utilizes those right. tools. And, and she feels sort of, like, out of time. You know, she's there. And every, no one is like, you're a time traveler. But in the same way, she she could get plopped down in like 90s Hollywood and also be like, well, this is stupid. I'm going to tell you how stupid all of this is. 
Right, exactly. And, and and definitely in her, that's what I really appreciated about her too. In her, I mean, she's filterless because she's allergic to that, you yeah. know, dishonest facade that everybody tries to put up. And, you know, the reason she, she looks so glamorous because she likes to, not because she feels like she has to. And everything she does is deliberate and honest and comes from like good intentions. She's a very good intentioned person. Yeah, she could get plopped anywhere. And yeah. still speak her mind. And yeah. I think she was probably always like that. Yeah. Which is, I got to imagine, an amazing thing to play also. I am not, I'm not restrained. Like, when I'm, I'm interpreting a character who existed, so I have to try to be in their mindset to some degree. But I don't have to, like, close the parts of my brain that are, that are curious, you know, and are, right. And are oh, right. you know, willing to speak out. Like, because, you know, knowing how most people act now you know there's a there's a balance you want to be able to speak your mind but you also don't necessarily want to call extra attention to yourself because you know yes we live in an age where everyone's survival. annoyed by something survival yeah you don't want to stick out like a sore thumb but you want to be who you are you want to be understood you want to be seen oh yeah and i mean you have you have children you certainly want to set a good example you don't want them to know that they can't speak their mind but you also don't want to you know Tell them, okay, I said something and now half of this website wants to have me not work anymore or, you know, all the like little things. They're just like, oh, I just want to be a good person and have people think I'm a good person. And that's easy. You know, you just you want to you want to put that out into the world and have good things come back to you. And you want to have people think you're a good person. But at what cost? You know, like there's some people it's just it's it's there's something happening in the world right now. Socially, it's like. I feel like people feel it's a lot of it feels forced sometimes like things feel forced in some ways because it's easier to get in trouble. It's easier to get in trouble than it ever has been. Um, and it makes people, people are understanding they have reputations. Like you, I've seen a lot of actors who have bad reputations, like, turn inside out and, and realize that, you know, they were hurting people. They, you know, weren't working and people didn't want to work with them and, and all that. And I've seen them kind of rehab their image yeah. and then they're, and that's, and that's true. And that's truth. And that's a lot of hard work. And then I've seen people who are just not good people just have, have this think, think that they can just um, do certain things that make them seem like they're quote unquote good people. Yeah. And, and it's, and you're, I see it a lot and it's, um, it's kind of scary. Yeah. And it's, and it's bothersome because you, you're like, well, wait, wait, I'm trying to do it naturally and you're, and you're putting on I'm a show. I'm not even trying. That's the thing. It's like, yeah. what's your agenda at the end of the day? It's all about agenda. Is If your agenda is to get people to like you, then, um, I don't know. I don't know how, you know, it, your agenda at the end of the day should be to always make sure that you don't hurt somebody else's feelings and do yeah. the thing that's right. Well, I hope you enjoyed this sort of look back at some of the uh, interview highlights of the last year and change. Hardly the only ones, and we probably even left out your favorite, but that's part of the charm of having so many to choose from. And I'm sure the next time we have a uh, you know situation like this, we'll, we'll put another one of these out and we'll do some more clips. And listen, we're just going to keep adding more and more to the hopper. So... All I can say is keep listening, keep watching, keep reading, hopefully keep enjoying. And, uh, you know, we will continue to see you at the movies. And uh, we will continue to keep bringing you some hopefully very fun interviews. 
I hope you enjoyed. I hope you continue to enjoy. Stay safe. Enjoy your Thanksgiving when it uh, happens next week. And uh, once again, thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and to visit awardsradar.com for the best in awards and entertainment content.